here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. Welcome to TJMRCT Radio with Cosmos Radio's ACR Radio and even the Mad Painter Revolution Radio. <laughs> We're doing all of this together, and I apologize to everybody for last night because I wasn't even on the plane and I wasn't even in my head. I wasn't even in this universe I don't think so welcome we're going to talk about that tonight because uh, we can do that and we're different so I'm going to introduce a mad painter and turn this phone off because it's driving me crazy (laughs) and I don't know how to get that whistle don't worry be happy song off of here so let me turn that off a mad painter what's the word of the day can you hear me yeah. yeah. Can you hear me? Well, talk to me. What's the word of the day? Word of the day? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, introduce yourself then. Many of words for the day. It's Friday the 13th. Oh, that's the word for the day. Friday the 13th. <laughs> that's three words, isn't it? <laughs> yep, that's three words. Well, tell everybody who you are, because I can't hear you. I'm going to have to put a headset on, I guess. Go ahead. Introduce yourself. Uh, I'm a talk show host, author, a writer, um, artist. Uh, Bridget's saying she's, I called and I can't, I can hear you, but do you see me on there? So apparently she's here. Ah, there she is. So we brought Bridget on, Bridget Lynn Dolgoff today. Bridget, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. There we go. All right. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. I'm Ed Painter. Can you hear Bridget Lynn Dolgoff? Can you hear her? Mark connection. Yeah, are you still there? Good. Oh, there he is. There he is. Okay, I'm gonna put my, my headset on. Going in and out. I'm half hard of hearing. So, uh, Ahmed, you're our artist, author, and we're Mike's, Mike's, and then mine. But you're the big GM, and Bridget knows you, and she's been doing radio as a radio host for almost a couple of years or two years, right, Bridget? How long have you been doing radio? For yourself? Um, well, I started kind of out in TV in 2009. I was doing, remember how they had those little local uh, First Amendment types, little studios where everybody did editing? That was kind of the first thing that came around. And uh, so I started doing that in 2009 where I had my own show, but it wasn't really seen on public TV, <laughs> but it was fun. So, yeah, I've been doing this kind of well, I've been I've only been with Revolution for maybe a year and a half, I think. Since when? Uh about a year and a half with Revolution. All right. Well, let me see if you can hear me. Was it can you hear me now? 
Yep. Okay. I guess you can hear me better. I can hear you better. I don't know. Amanda, can you hear me better or any any different? Does it sound different? Okay. Um, I'm having connection problems. I'm, mine's going up and down like usual oh. with blog talk. Oh, okay. Well, I can. I guess. Uh, I guess I need a headphone, folks. You never know, you know. I don't know why I can't work with the filter of the matrix anymore. Everybody knows that the red pill was better than the blue pill, or was it the blue pill? No, we took the red pill, I think. So Bridget Lynn Gold Dolgoff. Now, Bridget, am I saying that properly, your name? Yeah, that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you say it for us? <laughs> well, no, it's pretty close. It's just Bridget Lynn Dolgoff. So, like, kind of yep. like your dog ran off with an L. Okay, with an Dolgoff. L. Dolgoff. That is funny. It's D-O-G-O-F-F with an L between the O and the G, the first O-G. So, D-O-L-G-O-F-F, Dolgoff. Now, what is the origin of that name? Is that your married name or your uh, maiden name? Nope. My maiden name, and it's Russian. My uh, real Russian. dad was 100% Russian. Yeah, both sides of his family. All right. Yeah, both so of that, his Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very unusual name for sure. But what you know it's funny is nobody notices it in the US and then I go by Russian people and they're like, Oh, you're Russian I'm like, I am, but I don't I can't help you, I don't speak Russian. <laughs> well uh, but yeah, says, go good supernatural bridgeless with Bridget Lynn Dolgoff today, folks, on sustainability and everything else. So we're glad you're tuning in. Now, she was born uh, into a, brush, a Russian bloodline. Blah, blah. Let me get my lips working here. And it's a lifetime oh, student yeah, practitioner. Shamanism. So she's going to help us out here. She's born a star child and recognizes herself with that. Uh, you know, we got to have words and, and rhythms, and we're all particles and waves, but we're going to talk about the harmony of who she is as a star child and was sent to earth in the second grand wave. So I put this up here. So she's going to have to explain all that. I'm wondering if it's the Dolores Cannon thing, but we're going to talk to her today. Bridget walks and works in the multidimensional layers and specializes in her own format, structures, and practices, which she's been doing for over 25 years. She's not She's only a decade or two younger than me, but I think we come from the same uh, kindred spirit line. Teachers, hold on. Hush, Coco, there's a gentleman in my house in there. My grandson is in the living room, and I have my door closed. And my dog can tell the difference when somebody walks in because she hears the door. So I apologize for that. But Bridget began consulting, believe it or not, in corporate and political arenas and geared business with a focus on creating economical cooperations. That's ECO dash N O M I C A L. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Now Bridget became a full scale activist and citizen lobbyist in her home state and nationally for, uh, for food, alternative medicine and environments in 2009. Now we'll have to ask her what her home state is in just a minute. So, as a sustainable biodynamic farmer, wow, about the spiritual return back to Earth, one of her longtime projects is to develop biodynamic farms to rehabilitate combat veterans 
into sustainable biodynamic farmers. That's a big calling to restore large land masses and bodies of water on this planet. So I guess we're terrifying. We're going to talk about everything in a large way. Her offerings come from uh, her business energy, but also her compassion energy. And she shares, uh, I have a book called Life Coach, Ace Life Coach, and I'm sure she is one because she does workshops, webinars, classes, lecturing, at events, consulting, counseling, hands-on building, and development. So she's very much a hands-on healing person. And she can also do that long distance, which a lot of us have different names for that in our ancient mystery schools and our new age thought and our ascension age. So she has handcrafted medicine for land, water, homes, property, to healing, and balances uh, herself and others in assist others in living a balanced life and resetting energies and much, much more. And you can find out about her at her ministry of consciousness, Nevada.org. And on YouTube, she has Bridget, Bridget, as a play on words, B-R-I-D-G-E-N-I-T, Bridge N-I-T. Now, Bridget, let me uh, go back to that. We're going to go over this little thing because I had to take some of the original uh, biography out that she uses as a speaker to fit it on my format for the uh, podcast here for vodcast, which used to be blog talk radio, so still has that address. Bridget, how long do you think you've been hanging out in cyberspace? Because I'm very much into the supernatural and intrigue and X-Files, which a mad painter can tell you we love doing Cosmos radios. So you think you were before this reality and this container? I'd love to start off uh, at a high level with you so people can see we are bridging it together here. Our, our. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I am... Um, this is probably something I don't really talk about like hugely publicly, even though it's I have it on my YouTube channel. But um, I coming am, in with some knowledge, maybe. Yeah, or? coming into. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, this this is the first lifetime that I've ever spent here, and oh, okay. um, yeah, and I have a star family, and uh, um, I had really you know kind of weird events, um like between four and five years old, I had these uh, three big events that um, were big activations. And um, so I just, I'm just a lot different here. And I've had a lot of contact with different kinds of extraterrestrials, good, bad, and different. You know, my family are extraterrestrial. I mean, different from here, different from this planet. I mean, they look pretty much, you know, the ones I've seen look, you know, pretty humanish. Um, I also do believe that, um, you know, my star family probably had origins here like a long, long time ago. Uh, like long, long, long time ago. I don't think that they come here much uh, because they're always sending me communication like through devices so I look at everything on this planet as a potential like technology or device 
um, they will, you know, download things into objects. I'll have dreams about them. Then a time frame will go by and I'll find it. Um, and then, you know, I'll either carry it around for a while, which I'm downloading imprints of information to them. And then later on, I'll know where to put it. And then I figure they collect it sometime in the past, present, and future. I'm not sure how that works, um, how they collect it out. I don't know if they send somebody to the past or somebody to the future or somebody to the now or how they, you know, maybe they could even copy. I've seen things copy-pasted. So in this reality, I mean, they may even, like, copy-paste the object like a, like a photo, you know, and then put it into their reality so they can... Um, upload the information and sometimes they're for me they're downloads for me and then sometimes uh, the things that they put out are triggers so they'll trigger me you know like aboard their a ship or someplace uh, where we're meeting and gathering because they need to talk to me so I've always been really different um, than most people and uh I've tried, you know, to really be as human as possible. And um, and so that's kind of, am I still on? It's kind of an yeah. intense subject, but I don't want people yeah. to, biggest thing is I don't want people to think, you know, I think everybody, everybody comes from somewhere and, you know, as a part of a part of it. So I don't want people, you know, to get uncomfortable about that kind of information. You're very grounded. Um, Matt, have you, uh, Thomas R. Becker, T.R. Becker, <laughs> uh, general manager, producer, author, artist, friend of mine, kindred spirit, have you ever interviewed Bridget in your uh, line of work as a radio host? <laughs> have I, I, you uh, broke up there. Did you, did you ask if I ever interviewed uh, Bridget yet or not? Yeah. No, I haven't. Um, I think she called into one of my shows. I mean, we've talked a couple of times. Well, he. But, well, uh, he interviewed. I talked to all the hosts. I have to. <laughs> yeah, he entered. He was part of the interview when I got on RR. So. So he was a part of the management. Uh, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, the interview yeah, originally. I, but mm-hmm. I didn't talk to him about a lot of my star stuff. <laughs> that was oh, I was trying okay. to be as normal as possible. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man, Please give me a show. I'll be normal. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget, I love you. All right, Ahmed. Compassion. Compassion is the key word for the day for Friday the 13th. My, my daughter, bless her heart, lost her husband today. It's been a very sad I've been up all night with her since 12. She died last night, Friday 13th at 12, 12. So God bless him, folks, because we're here such a short time. And I have been ushering in this Ascension Age for a while. So this is my first time to have a newbie like Bridget saying this is her first time on Earth. But to be so open-minded and to know who she is on many levels and many dimensions and out there is just a delight for me. So I'm asking open-ended questions, and I apologize, Bridget, for making well, you feel uncomfortable. But uh, Mad, go ahead. You're wanting to say something. You know, I've said that before too. That, that this is the first time I've been here. Well, let's talk and about it's that. The last what time. It's the last so? time too. <laughs> <laughs> you're 
in this container and get back get back out there and play some more, huh? You know, we came down here to use this container so we can, well, the entire world, they know that scientifically in quantum physics, science with CERN, that we are all in a container out there. There's uh, finally, they're admitting the filter of the field is out there, and it really does have energy and mass and matter. And uh, they're finally given it a name, although that Higgs theory with a Higgs boson. And then, you know, we have the, the zoo now with the quarks and the gluons and all of that with all these numbers now way below this, the atoms. So, you know, the world's changing. We're in the very uh, transient type of uh, reality right now. It's very fluid. So, Matt and Bridget, I appreciate you both admitting your first time. I don't belong to that club. Uh, <laughs> I sort of wish I did, but it's like being a teenager. I got to be a baby and know my other levels of uh, thought everybody did, but apparently they didn't. So I was told to keep my mouth shut when my people came through, like Glenda, the good witch, Wizard of Oz. I think that was part of our you know, soft disclosure for orbs and people that can come and go. And then I got pulled up out of water by a hand uh, that you can't see, but it formed and like an angel hand, a big God hand pulled me up when I was underwater and had swallowed all this water. So I got to come up from that. And then I died with hepatitis in second grade and got to come up out of that and then go to Roswell and meet people in a spacecraft that was really a, I believe it was a different type of ship from another dimension in this universe, but that's part of who I am now. And uh, then I got to work with them my whole life, coming and going with seeing them, and other people could see them go over and they wouldn't make a sound. So I've had a lot of interesting uh, experiences with people, and then people saying, you know, that woman over there, I knew she wasn't from this planet. She was very interesting, so they said she was very important. And I've got to work with people that, uh, they don't talk. <laughs> they just expect you to be psychically in tune with them if you want to hear or just I had to sit down and be quiet so they could talk on other levels. So there's all kind of people on the planet, and we're just starting to acknowledge those that bring uh, knowledge, not just first-timers. So, But it's important that we learn to acknowledge each other. So Bridget is bringing a whole new flavor. Now, Mad, I know that you're important to me, and especially your artwork, because you bring in all these other worlds out there where people live with colors, and you can see things, and you put them in your artwork, in your graphic artwork. And you've also been painting during the day, so you can put food on the table. You are putting food on the table, right, <laughs> Mad, these days? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Got to eat, you know. <laughs> you got to eat, yeah. Okay, well, Bridget's been traveling around. And Bridget, now you have, uh, I had another girl on here, Diane McClintic, who started with me in 2012. And she was a, a very shamanistic, humanoid, sentient, intelligent being and a nurse practitioner and had a master's and PhD and a lot of these things that uh, I guess it's very hard to have. During this reality. So tell us about your uh, lifetime student practitioner shamanism, because not everybody will agree uh, that shamanism is uh, practice.
religious, but it is usually something that one is born into this reality, into their clan or tribe. Would you agree with that? Tell us your history and what I, you know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so, um, it's like shamanism has kind of been exploited. And so all ah. I can do is I can explain to people what I believe that it is. And I, sometimes I have to, you know, Native friends of mine are, I've had Native teachers in the past who I've had to actually also explain this to because in a lot of Native American culture, they don't really like the word shaman. I mean, shaman is, it, it can be um, selfish, it's not community-oriented. It can lead to, like, witch doctor, you know, like, sorcery, like, very, there's very strong power that's involved with it um, that has to be harnessed. I mean, we're talking about traditional, traditional. And so I end up kind of, um, and I also tell people that the word shaman, actually, that word, that term is a Russian term. And it, it's for a type of Russia up in the Siberian area where the shamanic people are, right? That So every culture has kind of a different type of something that would be similar to shamanism or a shaman practicing. So you'd have like witch doctor, people do voodoo, um, you know, you even have like Tibetan Buddhists that are very extreme in their very, very traditional practices, you know, so that they can defeat gravity and a lot of these other things. Um, so, um, you know, there's lots of types of, of hardcore. I even think like types of, um, what is it, the uh, Kabbalah, you know, with the symbols and stuff, uh, with um, Kabbalistic um, I think that's kind of on the border. That's kind of a, a shamanism type practice. So there's all these different practices, but it would be called something else, you know, um, in each culture. Native people in America may call it like a medicine person. Um, South America, you know, there's different kinds of terms. Nagual, um, they use the word shaman, sorcery. There's also a couple other terms that probably would be used. But so all over the world, I think that there are, leftover like shamanism type practices from different cultures but they would call them different things um and mine a lot of the work that i do was kind of born that way genetically from my dad and um from russia and uh and um so it being born in america and having i feel sometimes like a genetic pull towards this kind of stuff uh, the really kind of underneath stuff. And in shamanism, remember, we're not, we don't concern ourselves that much with the dark or the light, right? We try to walk in the balance of it all. So we don't use as much power against fighting against it. You know, the dark rises and the light has to fight the dark down. And the light rises and the light has, or, you know, the dark has to fight the light down. So we try to stay right on that boundary where we walk in those worlds and we try not to utilize too much power, you know, in, in fighting both sides, trying to stay in balance so that you can kind of see it all. And so there's lots of different types of practices. I, I kind of lean towards pretty heavy, you know, like Toltec or traditional Yaki dreaming um, type stuff 
the, those kinds of, um, you know, practices and those kinds of teachers that come up. But I have have a lot of native, you know, um, teachers uh, that have graced my path and taught me some amazing things. And I've seen amazing things of power um, uh, because of it. So I think my view on shamanism is like completely different and it's like a foundation of everything that I do and whether I'm doing business or I'm doing business consulting or, you know, I'm helping people personally or, you know, I'm in medicine, you know, that I'm, I do very big uh, energetic and structural medicine um, facilitator. And so shamanism is really important for that, you know, power because I want to be able to give people ultimately what they need is energy and power. They're exhausted so you've got to give them some energy or power, you know, in order to start the healing journey so that they can get up over that, you know, um, speed bump. So my daughter is than most. Yeah, you're very eclectic, and that's good because of the way you see yourself. I just noticed that you're you state your lifetime student practitioner. Although I am all over the board and everything, I'm interested in everything that's out in the field. But I would say you're close to that uh, Cosmos Consciousness Consultant. <laughs> I put up there, I used to have Cosmos Conscious Consultants, and I think a mad called you a kindred spirit. So I put that up as a mad painter. Thomas R. Becker shares a friend as a kindred spirit. So Thomas R. Becker is one of these that... Uh, brings people together and he brought you and I together and I think that's wonderful. Now Matt, what did you envision us doing tonight as kindred spirits? Are you eating dinner or can you participate tonight? I think, I think we're doing what we were intended to do is talk. <laughs> Wisdom from the article, Thomas R. Becker folks. I don't know about that. But... <laughs> I'm in a good mood Even though my daughter's husband died I know it's a new chapter in her life Well, Starchild Are you familiar, a Mad Painter With the various levels and waves? Have you done interviews like Dolores Cannon? Or let's, let's let Bridget Bridget, tell us about this Starchild energy of yours And what is this second grand wave? And you know who Dolores Cannon is. She's passed. Is that yeah. something you Well, I read mm-hmm. a lot of her stuff that actually kind of helped me a little bit, you know, a long time ago. And one of the things that I kept noticing um, was that, you know, there's people, well, there was like a first grand wave. I think that the people would be, I don't know how old they'd be now, but if I'm 50, I'd say like probably around 65, somewhere in that area, give or take on both sides, you know, um, uh, you know, two years, but during um, people that would be around 65, there was a really Dolores Canyon talks about it, about like the first wave, that would have been the first wave of star people. You know, being put yeah, into. Yeah, I met Dolores. She put me in the first wave category. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was yeah. like a very ancient soul. So she had a, a problem with the words, but I enjoyed her. I was 
the government sent me uh, via my husband that was an engineer, like a GS-13, to take me to meet Dolores Cannon in Arkansas. She drove me cross-country yeah. from Hawaii. So she must have been pretty important for me to go meet her. It was amazing. She wanted me to stay there, and over the weekend they just had a convention, you know, their convention, and she wanted me to meet her daughter. So I got to go to her office. It was pretty cool. So uh, did you yeah, ever meet her in human form? No, I'm really picky about the people that I pick up and read their stuff. I mean, more and yeah. more active now of reaching out and trying to talk to people and see if I can get people on my show to talk about, you know, what they do. Um, but back then I read a lot of stuff. So I read some of her books, and it made perfect sense to me, sense to me that I had come in the second grand wave and that, um, you know, um, that that kind of made sense because there were a lot of us that were on the bad side of mental health. So a lot of the, you know, first wave and second wave, I mean, more in the second wave survived than the first wave. I mean, that was like a huge bump because those beings, you just didn't really have a path or anything. They were just kind of all thrown here. And then, you know, they were decimated too by, you know, NASA and all these people. They kidnapped a lot of them. And, yeah. you know, they did bad things to them. And, you know, my mom was my mom was way older. She wouldn't have come in the first way, but she was a lot different. She was a, a different kind of bloodline too. But, you know, she was handled and she was um, tortured. Uh, really? You know, she got married to a guy. Yeah, this is like 1958. Um, and my mom just, he was kind of like a, you know, kind of a James Dean kind of guy. And he came from old money in Boston and all this other stuff. And um, his parents didn't come to the wedding or anything in California. My mom married him. She thought, you know, she had this like amazing happily ever after fairy tale kind of deal. And then um, they took her back to, you know, the East Coast and they put her... Um, we think that she was handled by the government because then she was um, put into the hospital by him and his family. And she was basically tortured in a mental hospital for like six months until they called my family to come get her. So in the waves, I can see what had happened to a lot of the star people that came in in the first and second wave, you know, if that's what happened before we came here. Um, but a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, that fit into those star categories or people that know people that were in those waves, a lot of them didn't make it. A lot of them, a lot of us haven't made it at all. And, um, so, um, yeah, it can be really, you know, our systems can be really, really tough for people who are, um, kind of more cosmic where they're just so open they're just so wide open because where they come from you know there's no reason um for protection or to be closed down or um to um you know this could be a this could be a really hard place for certain beings for sure a boot camp of sorts (laughs) exactly uh i'm mad you're my age, roughly, and so we would be considered uh, 
star people in maybe Brad Steiger's book and uh, people that came at our age. Uh, there were people that came in during uh, with Hitler and uh, those before him were uh, setting up shop here and there in the mountains and whatever, un- under the mountains. And <laughs> I don't know how the children today, my grandchildren, I've got a 20-year-old sitting in there on my couch playing Fortnite or Fortnite or something like that. But, uh, you know, they uh, they play games. And I don't know if everybody does, but it seems to be a whole new reality for children that were born 2000 are older. My other grandson was born 2001. I believe he's 18. And he was the star quarterback here at Gulf Breeze High School, driving a black Mustang, being the typical perfect kid, blonde hair, you know, blue eye type kid. And then he got hit, his third concussion, and he's real depressed because they won't let him play now, I think. He was born, we knew from the time he came and stayed with me in Kentucky for a while, he was going to be that. So, our culture, nurturing in our culture and what we think we're supposed to do and practice in college and high school. Did you have, Bridget, what city were you born and what part, were you born in Russia or were you born here in America? And you mentioned your bloodline. Nope. So. Yeah, no, I was, um, I was born in the USA, um, California, and then... Um, ah. And then I, I grew up in Nevada. I grew up in a one-horse town. I mean, um, when we got a stoplight, it was like a major deal. <laughs> um, oh, wow. You lived so, in a yeah, town so before you a, got I, a stoplight? Are you yeah, serious? I did. Wow. I only, we only had like 200 people in my high school. We had a small, small. It was a desert, you know, Nevada kind of desert, kind of rednecky town. Um, that I grew up in, and it's not what—it's not far from Reno now. It's like horrible. It used to be a little bit of pasture, and we used to, you know, have fun. No business. A lot, but huh? There's no business there. Was it just cattlemen or yeah, what type when of? I, when we first moved to the town, we actually um, had to go to either Reno or Fallon, which was same same amount of time in either direction because we didn't really have a supermarket. And um, so that was, yeah, that's when I was growing up. Um, but then wow. um, now the it's really life. developed. Yeah, they put golf courses out there, like Arnold Palmer golf courses and, and all this stuff out in Fernley, and it just became like this place to retire. Now it's like pretty messy, you know. Um, and they're, all the farms have sold out, so everything's dried up because the water is gone. Um because that farmers sold off the water to the state, so they manage it now. So once that nothing was getting watered, you know, all the 300-year-old cottonwoods died, uh, and also um, all the grass and everything. And it's pretty. It was, you know, it was kind of a really beautiful green place in the summer when I was growing up, even in the middle of the desert. But it's terrible now. Whoa. So. What a story to yeah. tell in the USA going out to the world. However, those things happen, folks. We learn as an yeah. individual, and we talk about that, nature and nurture. And, you know, where you step down as a star child or from out there, we'll just say everybody is from somewhere out there, as Bridget said. Uh, Bridget Lynn Dolgoff with our ACO Cosmos Conscious 
Consultants Club. So if you'd like to be one, get in touch with me and Matt or even Bridget because <laughs> she'll understand that you heard her on TJ Mars ET Radio and what we do here. We are all working with the Cosmos Radios group that Ahmed started with me and Janet Carolesson of Aquarian Radio, so I'll put that in. Mike Green Lee of Revolution Radio. We all Cosmos Radios. And Bridget here has accepted that she is a star child, and we're talking with her about where she's, I guess, touched down into a human form. So I take it at least she's wanting to be normal and admit that she has a container, which we call a body, body and a mind and a spirit. So let's talk a little bit about that, Bridget. So you grew up in a place that changed your reality knowing that you had to grow up and learn you had parents, but you looked around. When did you learn that your town with no light or finally getting a light was a big deal, very small high school, and everything was green and you had trees and then no water and that was sold off? That type of reality, when did it start wanting you to look out and reach out and touch someone, so to speak, in the reality that, wow, if I'm in the matrix and this is a little bitty town and turning into a dust town, where is everybody? Did you just like, wow, look at Reno. What opened your eyes to your reality that it extended more than just your high school? Did it happen about that time? No. Um, I had um, – um, Epiphany? I <laughs> No, well – I've always been working on, so I first started working on insects between Ooh. ages of four and five. Mm-hmm. I started working Whoa. with that world. And then yeah. as I aged, I started working with animals, uh, healing them, communicating with them, understanding them. So my oldest relationships with anything on this planet are definitely the insects and the bees. Um, and then I started working on people. So I was always, I had a family on my mom's side that people contacted, you know, in my family, the family members, because they had, you know, uh, gifts of healing and different kinds of things. Uh, so I was kind of born that way, you know, with um, that sensitivity on top of the star stuff. So it was kind of amplified. But uh, when I was, Four, uh, I got really sick from um, age of four to five. Uh, and um, I got sick like three times, really, really sick, where I had these really high fevers. And I didn't go to school for long periods of time um, because I had these really bad fevers and I got really, really sick. And there was nothing that, you know, like the hospitals or anybody could do. So basically just have my parents take me home and just be like, you know, whatever outcome, you know, is going to happen, just make her comfortable kind of a thing. And then I would have Whoa. these. Um, yeah, then I, so during it, I had these stigmata events. So I'd get really sick and, you know, almost to death, like really high fevers. And then these, what I came to learn were on this planet are, are burn stigmatas. So there's, there's several types of stigmata. So there's the rose, thorn, you know, there's the thorn over the head, 
bleeding from those places or bleeding from the hands or the feet, or sometimes some healers bleed from all of it. It just depends on, I guess, your belief system. But there's also these things that are called burn stigmatas. And the burn stigmatas is very interesting because they do smell like roses, just like the blood that they say that comes out of people with the blood stigmata. Um, And so uh, I'd get really sick. I'd get a really high fever. And then these, these brands would appear like kind of on my feet. And there were two separate symbols. And it was the same, you know, thing every time. And it happened over three times from like age four to five. And so uh, that kind of aligned, I think, my ancestry on my mom's side and those bloodlines and my ancestry on my dad's side and those bloodlines, and then to activate me as a star kid. Because the symbols and, and how you can put them together and how they form, they basically, when they come together, so I had a symbol on each foot, and it, if you draw them together, it's the symbol of Earth. So it's like two things coming together, you know, onto earth. So that's kind of how I view it. But my mom kind of started drinking um, after this period. So it was kind of bumpy for her. Uh, I imagine as a mother, it probably had to be really intense, even though she was like really open and psychic. And um, Were they but open wounds or were they like uh, something you were born with, like a birthmark nope, or they just something they were like, start appearing. I just get, yeah, I just get so hot, these fevers. And then these symbols would burn onto my feet and they look like burns. They look like if somebody had burned me, but they smelt like roses, you know, like the stigmata. So these were like burned on my, from the inside out on my, through my feet, through these really heavy fevers. So it never went away? You have the it did go away. That eventually, away. eventually it would peel. You could, you know, peel the skin off, you know, like all of that. And um, eventually they went away completely. But um, my mom just, uh, it was, I think, tough on her um, trying to contain somebody like me. And, you know, I started raising bugs from the dead um, at age five. And I used to steal my mom's, you know, seasoning containers and then um, put things over them, and then I'd find, you know, dead bugs and put them in there, and I would spend time trying to resurrect them. So most of the time I was pretty successful. But after age four, everything kind of changed. And so, I, you know, my mom had a really bumpy ride, and I think that, you know, she was kind of terrified by me in some ways um, and didn't really know how, you know, how how to contain me. So, I think so entomology. Yeah. So you studied, it's so funny because my company uh, years ago with this Ascension Age was entomology, the study of insects, and ontology, the study of beings, a branch of metaphysics. So, you know, we use ontology even in computer science and information science. But popular uh, is the fact that even the study of insects uh, in today's reality, everything's changing so fast. We can't keep up with each other. Now, stigmata, I've never heard it coming from the study of bugs or resurrecting bugs, but I have had a friend that had a daughter that had those things with her skin, those red things that come up and would 
blotches and peel, and they've got medicine for it now, but I saw it on her legs, blotchy legs. It it was a name for it, something to do with the skin and blood, but uh, they have a name for it now and medicines for it, but I don't know the name of it, so that's interesting. Yeah. Did you ever if find you out? Go, you can go on and look up burn stigmatas, and actually quite a few people do get them. Hmm. And they look I'll like them. Like black they look like burns, like black burns. Um and mm. people just get them. It's just kind of a trip. But yeah, so yeah. Um but yeah, so I that's kind of how I grew up and um my star family was always trying to stop me and halt me. So we ended up getting in a fight for four years because I was really pissed off at them because they disclosed something that really made me angry. But they Which like one? You know, uh, are, are we talking a family off planet uh, that are not in your 3D reality, like your parents? Because yeah, I tend no, to lose people myself. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so uh, explain that to people because you and I talk a different language, but I get it. But that's why I want you to help people because we're at that time in the ascension age where people are going to know more and more people exist, uh, and we need to talk about this. So you're comfortable, but you're talking about some people that you said got upset or you got pissed off or they got pissed off. So well, my star what family, is that? Is that not your parents? That's no, not my your star family is, Yeah, my star family is the family where I originate before, you know, they put me or put me into something that put me here this life into this bio suit. So um, my star family, so I tell people this because it's not easy. Like, you know, it's not all airy fairy and unicorn farts, you know, Um, sometimes dealing with um, some of the more conscious stuff. (laughs) Did you say unicorn farts? Is that what you heard? That's what I heard. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I have to stop and laugh because I felt that down to my toes and, curl. And they do that so through funny. that horn. What is that? Not rainbows. What? What? What is I it? Said they do that through the horn. Through the horn. <laughs> Other end, I see. Okay, interesting. Rainbow farts. Unicorn farts. Okay. All right. That's is that but a anyway, term for? That's, well, is that a like, term for woo woo? I think they call well, it woo woo. I mean, some <laughs> some woo woo, yeah, some woo woo. Some woo woo, but, but it's not it's not always easy, you know, for star people. And I just want people to know that. So what happened with my star family is, <laughs> I had um. So I grew up and. I over my life I'd had this really bad accident. You know, I've had major head injuries. Um, I've had six of them, and I, I remember going to this one homeopathic, and he was like, "It says here you've had six major head injuries, one in which you're <laughs> And I said, "Yeah, that's that's correct." He goes, "I don't even know how you're sitting here talking to me." <laughs> Well, it was uh, unicorn farts, right? Rainbow farts, yeah. unicorn farts. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, My gosh. So what happened to your brain? They they said you've had all these injuries. 
When did you were just a rough kid playing with insects, or what? Were you bumping Arizona rocks or Nevada rocks? What were you doing? My star family actually comes out to be the story about how they come clean on it. But basically, so I have all these health problems in my life. I actually get brain cancer at like age 31. Uh, Gee. Like major blackout. And I, I didn't go Western because I just really, I don't like Western. I don't like Western doctors and I don't like Western medicine. And I just kind of made peace with like, I was either going to survive it or I was going to die. And those were like the two things. So I pursued it dietary, which was good. And also I went back to doing heavy shamanism work to generate enough power to heal myself from being sick. And well, Tell um, us about uh, that. Were you diagnosed clinically in a medical facility by a, a doctor? I mean, well, I had clients back then that were doctors under the radar. And so I had... Um, one of my doctor friends and also my clients um, do up some blood work, you know, and, and somebody else, like a fake name kind of a thing, right? So wasn't kind of on your record. And and so it came back that, you know, like I had all this weird hormone stuff. And so basically, you know, they were saying, well, maybe you're like premenopausal at like 31. So that kind of like looks what's happening with you. And so um, I was there, and it got worse and worse and worse. And I knew that there was something really, really wrong with my brain um, and that was going on with me. And uh, I had a good friend of mine who back then they had, I think it was called, like, Whole Life Expo. It's where yeah. he became, like, a really big you – know, he made a lot of money off Whole Life Expo. But a good yeah, friend of mine was – yeah, a good friend of mine was like the chief financial officer of Whole Life Expo for a period. And so he came to Reno to see me, and he stayed for a few days. He stayed like, I don't know, four or five days. And the first few days I was okay, and I was trying to tell him that. I said, you know, like there are days where I'm like perfectly normal, and there's days where like I'm not I'm not good. So anyway, he was there long enough to see the days that I wasn't good. And he actually called a friend of his that was like 85 who was retired, who was a, a naturopath doctor for 65 years, and um, also he was a medical intuitive. So they, over the phone, you know, my friend helped him to diagnose me and, and all that other stuff, and then he started to kind of help me, and then it took a long time to recover. I mean, I think the cancer tumor, I believe, was finally gone five years after that. So when I was about 37, 38, I, I feel like the tumor was completely gone. But I still had a lot of problems with my physical body. So um, my right side of my body actually uh, shriveled up half the size of the other side. And I had, you know, like a lot of crazy stuff going on. I had like paranoia because I was left brain lat- hemisphere lateralized. But I actually, through all this stuff, I actually went on to study <laughs> a whole bunch of other stuff and how to actually people who have things that I've had you know what I mean so in my practice so it was good to sometimes it's good to be the patient on the inside to accumulate information but it was tough and it took me I'm still kind of recovering you know I'm still trying every day to try to start running again because I was super healthy when I had the brain tumor Um, but now I know that a lot of it was caused by our family so 
Sorry, my daughter came in. <laughs> wow. Well, so is your tumor gone? Um, I think I'm still that it awesome. totally is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my body's almost back to where um, it operates really well. <laughs> you know, I had a whole bunch of well, operational glitches from the brain tumor. So how all, many years has it been? Almost twenty. Has it been almost twenty years? Um, well, fifty-two is when it really nailed me. So um, I'll be fifty-one in December. So yeah. What? Close to that. What year did you get? Get to thirty-one? Did you say to fifty-one? Yeah, Yeah, I was like 32 when the tumor really started taking its toll on me. Um, But, uh, yeah. I mean, there are days... Have you had an x-ray? Oh, hell no, because one of the things my naturopathic doctor said, he said, so you're going to let somebody put radiation into a tumor. He said, you won't survive that. You won't survive that. And you're like, you know, so the thing is, like, they go in there, and I tell people, I get people who call me, and they're like, okay, what what should I do? You know, what should be my choices? And I'm like, well, these are the choices that I've made. But you have to, you know, if you know for sure, like, you have cancer or you have tumors, you cannot do any kind of radiation. You cannot be near wow. radiation because it is going to make it grow and accelerate. Like at rapid paces. So what do people do? They get, they get, because uh, I do home health, healthcare too. I, you know, I do. That's my main business is healthcare and traditional osteopathic work and and nutrition. And I get a lot of people who are really effed up and sick. Um, but you can't. Uh, first thing that they want to do when they know they'll say things like, okay, well we know you have cancer, and so you know the next checkup. And then they'll make you get an MRI, but what they do is they inject you with a nuclear radiation. That's why they call it <laughs> nuclear yeah. medicine. And then, then they they run you in this machine so they can really see what your cancer's like. But the very fact that they inject you with that radiation, when they know that you have cancer, they know that that's the difference between you maybe winning against that cancer or the cancer killing you. They have to know. So, well, my I daughter mean, had it. She died this year of the same thing, a brain hemorrhage, cancer. Yeah. But uh, she had it all over. She got it from acquired. She was a painter like a mad, and there's benzene and chemicals yep. when you paint. Yeah. And yeah. so she acquired it on the job. And it's she's no longer here. She was about your age. Let's see. She was born January 27th, 1974. Four, and she passed March 16th, 2019. It sounds so funny because she's my daughter and she's gone now. And uh, I've had a lot of death and dying around me. I, I don't understand where we go, but I do know we go from here. But everybody is different and everybody's memories and we become something else. Of course, we know the physical part goes back to nature mother nature but uh you know where does our consciousness go so that's why you're pretty special to me bridget because you come in apparently knowing that you're from somewhere else even though this is your first life and as a man said a man agrees he has no recollection or nothing to a man how do you do this and this is important bridget for just a moment let me 
get this out of the way. I need to drop this in as a little infomercial. I'm mad on uh, when you and Bridget know you're both from here, but you're born here, your your suit, your biological, your container. But Matt, help me out here with you and Bridget. What is the term when you know you're don't have memories from a past life? She calls it star her star family, but she has some kind of we got we've got to discuss this, folks, because I have family off planet as well, past history, but I have past lives as well, and memories. Uh, but we're different age brackets, but. Amanda, what are we going to call this? Because we're kindred spirits. I have I have no idea what to call it, but I do know that I don't need if I have if I had these memories of my other lives, then it would influence my position in this life, and that's why mm-hmm. I don't have them. Okay. Does, it, does uh, that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I acquired them. Yeah, I acquired them through having these people that come and go in my life, but I didn't but have the. They uh, don't have no. It doesn't have an mm-hmm. influence on your decision making in this life, and mine would. Mm-hmm. So I'm not allowed to know them. Oh, you think you would build on on your? I just know. Right. So mine's if, just if I knowing. knew. If I knew, I would be using them, and then I would be. It would be defeating the purpose for me being here. That's interesting, okay, because I don't use mine. I just know, and uh, it's just part of me. So that's like knowing your bloodline or whatever. So, let's, Bridget, this is real important because you're pulling all this together and able to talk about it, and you're a young soul, uh, being that you recognize that this is your first time on this planet. That. But how do you know if you're not an old soul from other planets, Bridget? Um, well, I suspect I've lived all over. I'm starting, you know, as I age to think that I'm like some kind of, I don't know, agent that they send around to different places that are pretty effed up. I think that they need to keep an <laughs> eye on or try to get some information okay. about. Um so you're a but, traveler. Uh, Doesn't mean yeah, that I your soul I'm, is first-time. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably might be travelers and have different kinds of jobs. But the other thing, too, is when I've done sessions with people, a lot of times in the past, I do these things, what I call um, shamanism medical sessions. And mm-hmm. um, and. Sometimes the stream or the energy field will take me back to where they originated, like closest to the first time that they, you know, their earliest existence. And one of the most interesting so that I and a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times it wasn't here on this planet because a lot of people have energy systems that are, you know, really old that have taken in different kinds of information and data, you know, as they lived and evolved through the universe, you know, and here on earth. There are a lot of people here that have lived like crazy um, reincarnation here, like crazy, crazy reincarnation. But one of the, I I 
I had a friend of mine who, um, she came to me for some sessions. She was a brilliant attorney, lived in Toronto. She was from the Dominican Republic originally. And um, she, uh, we, they wanted to show me like where she had come from because she had been actually literally harvest from where she was at and brought here and forced as like a battery into a body. What they showed me is like where she originally existed, you know, where she existed, she was just this ball of light. Like it was like a purple color, you know? And so the balls of light, they all talk to each other and they, they, as far as like I could understand, you know, I have to, I have a filter too. So some of the stuff, you know, I've never seen before. So oh, I, I have understand. to like, I've been of, out there. Put up, I've been well, a ball of light. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been out in the black abyss. <laughs> you know, she, uh, believe um, me, it's not fun. <laughs> you yeah, go from a black the, nothingness yeah. to something with a memory code and you're like, what am I? And so, and so when you find other people like you, you hang out with them. Yeah, for me, she was highly unusual, but I told her that. I said, you know, where you originally are from, you never had bodies. You guys were never injected in bio suits. You came from like a, a pure place, you know, uh-huh. um, and then you harvested your planet by ETs as a battery unit for our bio suits, you know, our physical bodies here. And I said, you were brought here kind of against your will and you've been here ever since. So, it's interesting sometimes to go out. Not always do they take me there. Um, I go where they want me to go. And um, because all the information is held in this, I call it the stream. And it, when I read Black Elk's books, it made a lot of sense to me because I'm pretty sure that Black Elk, that I saw things and how I worked with these energies and stuff, that it was very similar to Black Elk. So, I kind of adopted black elk. Are you saying elk yeah. like uh, the medicine or uh, the yeah. the animal? Yeah. E L K. Yeah, huh. he had some really great books that were put out. Um, and I have a friend of mine now um, who his, he when he was seventeen he studied with Wallace Black Elk, which was Black Elk's son. And so when I read Black Elk's book, Black Elk's and some of the other books, it helped me to understand how he viewed exactly kind of, I think, something similar. I do something similar to what um, he did, um, which he said that he basically had a rope, like an energy rope. It was like, you know, taking your rope and wrapping it into, you know, plugging it in to the energy kind of above you. And then it was like kind of a vast, computer of information that you could pull you know what you needed to pull so that's kind of like how I view you know how I go into the information field and I have kind of a different view on past lives too is that most of the information and data that's left behind you know um, or even that's in that you can pull into and plug into has a lot of different people's lifetimes and experience and and all this other stuff in. And so I'm kind of a believer in the fact that when people go under hypnosis or some of these other things that they may not actually be seeing their own lifetime, but they may be, you know, 
nailing a spot in the time continuum where they, you know, like in Dolores Canyon's books, some of them describe being a rock for 10,000 years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, you know, were hawks or, you know, so um, you can hook into that energy. So I'm not so sure that, you know, when people do remember their lifetimes, especially here, not theirs it could be somebody else's but it could be real because that's what happens in a hologram right like if you are on star trek and you want to go to the holodeck (laughs) you know and then you decide to put in what kind of experience you want to have i think it's like that i think when people tap in whether it's individual or they're led that way or other people tap into that stuff um it also could be a collective of stuff so i have to be really careful when I'm working with people to make sure that I've streamlined their individual information out of the collective information and I'm not misreading, you know, things that I see um, to them as, you know, their experiences when they, they could and sometimes are other people's experiences, even, you know, past life kind of events. But so I think there's a very collective, and I really like Eckhart Tolle because he talks a lot about that. He talks a lot about the collective and, you know, how, you know, we deal with things emotionally and, you know, a lot of like how the collective and the energy field works. And so I think yeah, Eckhart Tolle, that's, that's a friend mm-hmm. of uh, uh, Oprah's right now. Is that Eckhart that Eckhart Tolle or is that different? Is that Eckhart Tolle has an amazing experience. You know, people it, people don't realize, like, he's a master. <laughs> he's a spiritual master. And um, he uh, was going to college for getting, you know, like a Ph.D. math degree. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, like, when he was, like, going to become a senior in college to get, you know, his Ph.D. in math, that he um, started noticing that in the colleges, people talk to each themselves. Like, he really started to kind of think, like, people <laughs> were He's mentally ill. He's a spiritual teacher, for sure. And he, he saw they were mentally like, ill going to college. Well, yeah, because they were always talking to themselves or muttering or, you know, different kinds of things. And so he said he didn't really want to turn out to be that. And he was kind of worried that finishing <laughs> PhD was going to make him something wrong with them, you know. And so it happened. <laughs> he, PhD, he got like a, you know, a high-end job at Cambridge, and he did. He lost his mind. And, um, really? And so, yeah, hold on. I've got he the Huh? He admits this? Eckerd Tully admits this? That he lost his yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah. I've seen him in Did he ever of, find it? Of, Where'd he lose it? Well, no, what happened was one day he just decided that he couldn't take anymore, and he walked out of Cambridge University and his job and everything, and there was a park that wasn't very far away, and he just started living on the park bench. And okay. In out of time, and he said, you know, when he finally like started coming out of, um, when he first finally started coming out of what um this you know breakdown, he started to notice like the relationships of nature and um 
hold on one second. Ahmed, how you doing? Young mute. Hey there. So, uh, anyway, um, uh, so then, you know, after his mental breakdown, he started kind of really, you know, knowing how nature was and, um, and, and the relationships in nature and how birds just weren't on a time schedule, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner that, you know, they ate when they wanted to and, um, they, they did everything that they needed to do. You know, they had their schedules and their own schedule of how things worked and how he said, you know, crazy it was to be a human and you have to be on this schedule. Like nothing in nature would ever be on that kind of a schedule, this, you know, labor, money, you know, type schedule. So then what happened was is that um, he healed. I, I don't think that he really mind being a homeless guy anymore, living on the bench. I think he kind of got over it and was kind of, you know, and one day some people came up to him and gave him, like, a lottery ticket and said, hey, you know, here, here's this lottery ticket. And he said, oh, okay, thanks. You know, put it in his pocket. A couple of weeks later, he ends up over there, you know, at that little convenience store or whatever and says, oh, can you check my lottery ticket? And they um, run it through, and um, they, he won $1,000. So he said to himself, okay, well, I guess that means that I'm supposed to go back into society. You know, I, that must be the sign, right? <laughs> that must be the sign. So he started writing books, and I think the first book was called The Power of Now. And somebody gave him a place, I think, up in British Columbia to write it, like a cabiny kind of thing. And he had a really hard time trying to come back into society. He really had a really hard time trying to find balance, you know, within himself and not lose every, you know, little thing that he had found. You know, he didn't want to lose himself again because it was it was a tough lesson. So then he wrote, like, a book called Stillness Speaks, and then he went on to write A New Earth. And Oprah really got into The New Earth, and she had, like, a 10-week, a you know, dialogue with Eckhart on New Earth. But, um, you know, Eckhart is one of those people that people don't realize, like, you know, he – He's like old mastery, you know, where you have like this really hard lesson to get the mastery, you know, really, really tough lesson. And you know who else is that way? Um, Neil Donald Walsh, right? Buddha. Buddha had really, you know, tough lessons, uh, you know, before he found enlightenment. A lot of these people. But it's interesting how, you know, people don't really read a lot of Eckhart Tolle stuff or, you know, Neil Donald Walsh and people of that nature who are, you know, like the true spiritual masters because they had to, they had to go through it, you know, they had to go through the deep hell. <laughs> they were in so much hell that they forgot who they were, <laughs> right? So are you still there? Am I still on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet. Is it hard to talk? Because you, you're used to being the host. Uh, and that may have something to do with why you keep checking in. I'm not sure. I've never had anyone yeah. do that. Maybe ask once, but amazing. So is it very quiet where you are? Or is it no. just where no. we have well, no background thing, noise? On my show, I can see if we're connected. You know, I can see the network. I can, I can see my guest, and I can see me all kind of connected. So I guess on that's, Skype? you know, I'm trying to. Yeah, why I'm on the show, I can see it. So, 
Um, that's why I asked because I can't tell if we're still connected <laughs> or we're not connected. <laughs> well, that's a good. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. So we have a shaman code, and you're talking about uh, some wonderful people. And uh, now, explain the last gentleman that you were, you were talking about a gentleman, right? You first it was Eckerd Tolley, but you talked about Welch or, or say that name again. Um, Neil Donald Walsh. Walsh, and he wrote um, he wrote some of my favorite books. Actually, um, he wrote the series called Conversations with God, the Conversation with God series, um, and uh, they were in books. I always looked forward to them coming out because he 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 was. I think he was doing really well in life, and then. Um, kind of all this stuff happened bad, you know, like all at once. I think he was getting a divorce. Um, then he ended up breaking his neck, like literally breaking his Ooh. neck. And when he got out of the hospital, he didn't have any place to live and he didn't have anyone anywhere to go. So he ended up moving into this homeless encampment with these homeless people in a tent for quite a while. And then he thought he went crazy too. And he started hearing this voice in his head. And uh, what is it then, with these men? They, was, they become very well known once they lose their minds. I know. Well, women <laughs> Maybe we should try it. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, he, uh, you know, um, had a long rehabilitation, couldn't get a job, you know, literally was in this home encampment and he heard this voice that kept talking to him and, you know, and finally he said something. Or no, no, what happened was is that he wrote a really angry letter um, to God, I think it was, like a really just a nasty, like really horrible letter. And then the voice started talking to him in his head and said something like, okay, are you done venting? And had this pause. And then it said, you know, something like, okay, then let's talk now, right? Since you're done venting, let's let's have a conversation. And so he decided wow. to call that energy God. But there's in the books, there's some really cool stuff. Like some of my favorite parts are, you know, kind of like where God's talking in the books. So he started taking notes, and then he started compiling all these notes of his conversation with God. And then he wrote it into the book. And um, it's interesting. It's really kind of an interesting talk because he spends years doing this, having like this long, drawn-out conversation with God. And and God's kind of shocking periodically, you know, like throws out some real curveballs in the book. I like him. I like him. I've seen him on YouTube, but I didn't realize he was an author. So I don't know how my brain missed that. But isn't that interesting? That, yeah, no. Uh, Ed, did you know he was an author? Did you know that Neil Donald Walsh was? Uh, it's W A L S H, folks. Neil Donald Walsh is an author, American author. Uh, I've seen him on YouTube. And Matt, are you familiar with him? The old guy with white hair, beard. He's older yeah, than read, us. He's, yeah, I read so. some of the letters to God one. <laughs> you did. You're so well-rounded. You're so, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, evolutionary. Eclectic. <laughs> You're so eclectic. Yeah, we like that word, eclectic. 
So uh, eclectic and mad knows about Neil Donald Walsh. I'm impressed. Uh, you never cease to amaze me, Ahmed. You know, Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> I thought your word was going to be. Oh, tired. You're, you're, you're just easily <laughs> amused. That's all. Only when I get in this strange mood, I'm in the strangest mood. But Bridget's done a lot for me. I started the Psychic University since you introduced me to Bridget Lynn Dolgoff. So I don't know what that means, but she came with a really focused package, being a younger uh, kindred spirit, as you called her, that she was a kindred spirit. So. Bridget, I just find your personality a delight, and you seem like such a young soul around me. I feel like I'm your ancient, ancient grandmother from like 50 billion years ago, <laughs> and I don't know why you make me feel like that. I don't have any idea, but folks, you got to love it. you got to be in the now and love just being here because every day is so special, and uh, it was a mad. A mad makes me uh, happy. And uh, <laughs> we've had our ups and downs in radio business because he was my producer with Mike. And I didn't want to work with Mike in the beginning because we were both musicians and writing songs and living in Kentucky and growing. We had horses and uh, mainly we had corn or tobacco. Tobacco was the main <laughs> Tobacco, but I was living the same life, so we, you know. But he, uh, he was really, really smart. He came from a very smart family, and a very uh, good musician, according to Mad. So, uh, you know. But I got over it, and I went to work for him finally because it was in the cards. Now I don't know why Bridget and I, but Bridget, you'll have to be part of our. Psychic University. We'll just have to figure out which one of these topics you're so eclectic. Uh, a mad, I don't know what a mad's going to teach. She's going to teach something, but uh, it's eight week courses, so just write your one up. <laughs> What's he teaching? What's he going to teach? I'm not a real Whatever good you teacher. Want to teach. <laughs> you're an excellent <laughs> teacher. It's oh. not to follow my examples. <laughs> I think you're an excellent teacher. You're one of my very best friends. You and Janet Carolesson and Tommy Hawksblood, and uh, I've had uh, Kimberly O'Connor, and now Bridget Lynn Dolgoff. And uh, you know, Bridget's going to have a, a show where uh, October something. She's invited me to appear with a couple other people. I'm at uh, the women's show. We're going to have a woman's roundtable discussion and and I feel like Bridget's really, really old relative from some other place in space in the cosmos. <laughs> Good I'm supernatural old. bridge. I'm as old <laughs> as the the nanoverse. You know, no, I don't know. Who knows? But you know, with the way that uh you, you when you said that, I got the Irish in you. And the little people over there. So even though you're Russian, what about – you know anything about the fae and the leprechauns and the little people, the gnomes, anything like that? Well, I was about, reading these crazy articles that were coming out of, um, I think, like Finland or someplace like that, where they kept having all these people go missing in some of these areas. And um, yeah. they 
found a girl that had been kidnapped four years later, and she was basically naked and sitting on this rock edge, you know, out there kind of in the forest. And she said that she, like, escaped, uh, like, a bunch of, I don't know if they were leprechauns, but some, you know, different beings that were kind of living in those areas. And so she said she had been kidnapped by them and, you know, basically held hostage and, she didn't know how long, and they said that she'd been missing, you know, like four years. So she was for a while, there was really a lot. Of... Too. Oh, that's right. She was an anthropologist. <laughs> Whoa! I got I got abducted by little See? little known kind of people. <laughs> I'm mad. How do you know so much? I'm mad. You're plugged into everything. We can't talk about a topic, May Bridget and I. No wonder you said we were kindred spirits. I've had, I've had but I, what, 1,500 guests on these subjects? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You got tired of it. Stopped having so many and started doing your stories. But that that is, I guess, how many years? So at least since 2012, I, I know of. So, yeah, we've covered a lot of shows. I've got 770 here. I must have got rid of 100 of them, so... I'd probably have close to a thousand if I hadn't got rid of so many, but I'm not. I'm archiving as many. I wish I hadn't got rid of Stanton Friedman's, but because he's passed, and my husband's. I've got my husband's on here. I don't think I deleted any of his. A lot of them was because I'd get upset with Tommy Hawk's blood. <laughs> as much as I love him, he's a little creature. So he's a he. He gives Hecker totally a bad time, but. Tommy is a debater, so that's, but I love Tommy. So everybody's got their style as uh, radio hosting and doing their own YouTubes. Well, uh, let's talk about your, your, uh, says she's made, you, you want, we've got 38 minutes, but Bridget comes with a full scale of being able to help others. And you're sitting in her home state, I guess is the California, right? But you said you want to help people. So uh, have you got a business plan because you've helped people in business to business and consulting work are strictly uh, healing and shamanistic yeah. type? Well, or? it just depends. Everything I think is kind of related that I do. So right now I'm, um, I spent, you know, three years doing anthroposophy plant medicine work, which was Rudolf Steiner's work. Before that, I, I did biodynamics at, um, and some phenomenology and nutritional stuff at Steiner College in Sacramento. And then, um, you know, I'm also working with the Native Seed Movement. Hopefully when I do have land um, in the future, I'm going to be doing big seed outgrowths to actually bring the native seed, you know, um, up to a strong, um, you know, because right now a lot of it's in survival mode. Also, I do a lot of work um, with the environment, um, and I just kind of, it's a self-study about how to regenerate and restore, you know, large swaths of environment. Um, And uh, so I, I dabble in a lot of that. That's kind of like my top thing. And I'm finishing up um, some herbal medicine. I did a summer program and I'm done with that. So I should have my certification for that pretty soon. And then I'm doing a second herbalist program uh, for the next three months. But then I also do traditional osteopaths, nutrition, herbal medicine, 
I wanted to be kind of a full, um, even physically, I wanted to be a full range practitioner, you know, even on the physical, the body and everything. So, and I do a lot of wow, energetics. But everything is to fix and restore and regenerate. So whether I'm working on land or I'm working on people or I'm working on water or I'm working on animals, um, it all kind of, you know, fits into those categories mostly like regenerating restoration regeneration is kind of like the focus i worked with dr vernon wolf's solo dynamics while i was in hawaii and the whole meaning or dynamics it was really interesting and i really felt that uh, that helped me a lot and i did uh, people synergistically involved size seminars and then i had an alternative to leather quercus super oak tree i got into uh, eco fashion yeah 89 to 94 before i left hawaii but i got to travel the world too and then i went to big conventions but i don't know what uh i'm supposed to do but i i guess in a way i'm like you or you're like me or we are kindred spirits because i just go with the flow and, uh, you know, they say Rolling Stone gathers no moss. <laughs> but I'm in Hawaii right now. No, I'm in Florida right now. Excuse me, folks. I lived in Hawaii so long. Part of me still is there, I'm sure. But, uh, Bridget, you've been all over, too. And, Ahmed, uh, Ahmed, did you say you stayed in Georgia? Did you just plant yourself like a rock or a tree or something there? <laughs> Tell me. I've been here almost 40 years and only been out of the state twice how long have you lived there almost 40 years well i take Whoa, that back i do you're a hermit. down in florida but other than that i've only left the state twice what did you say you did go to florida where did you go in florida? yeah for the veterans uh, hospital down there in jacksonville that's in gainesville Gainesville, not Gainesville, Georgia. It's Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. That's oh, interesting. Gainesville. So from Valdosta to Gainesville, because you're a Navy vet, like me. I'm a right. Navy vet. Yes. Bridget, you didn't do any military. The hospital for the VA. But you're more like you're more like Bridget and I, even though we carry the veteran flag. And she wants to help veterans. So isn't that interesting, Ahmed, that she has this calling to assist uh, veterans with uh, getting their hands dirty in the soil, which I don't want to do. I had to do that as a young child and in Girl Scouts enough to know I don't like getting my hands dirty. So (laughs) I'm just, uh, you know, I love Mother Nature. I love to walk around in the grass. I'm barefooted right now. I stayed barefoot and pregnant, you know, when I was in my teens and early 20s, and then went and uh, uh, became a private investigator, went to college a little bit, but I had to fight for it. But, uh, you know, I've been around a lot. I went from Louisiana to Texas and Alabama. I went to University of Alabama over there and got some forensics and stuff, and then uh, really went – from there to New York and Colorado and uh, did Lowry Air Force Base over there. So then I came back and, uh, gee, uh, you've been one place 40 years. 
Oh my gosh! So the whole time Look, after you got the that, Navy, but you that, were around I, the world. Yeah, before that, yeah. I traveled all over the place. All I've been to every state up and down this side of the Mississippi. Been to uh, overseas to like nine or ten countries. I don't even know. I mean, you know. Yeah, and all that flying in and out with the military, right? They offered that. Yeah. So, well, we've come a long way from you traveling the world with the navy and pulling into ports and Europe. And then uh, that you was during the Vietnam War, right? First time you got on an airplane, then. You did what? I said you didn't get a medical exam every time you got on the airplane. <laughs> didn't have to go through the X-ray machines back then, did you? Wow. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. That's true. Now, uh, I'm old enough to remember when they still had smoking on airplanes. A lot of people don't wow. remember when they had smoking. I mean, you guys are older, but I mean, it, it's hard to explain to people like flying on an airplane for five hours with like chain smokers was a, a tough, you know. When did they change life that life. in the 80s? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Wow. But I know that when I fly, that, it was hard. In yeah, the, I used to have to fly yeah. a lot. But, you know, I, I think to... airplanes are much more dangerous now than they ever were. I think they made some good airplanes back in the older days. Because all these airplanes crash. They have they have to come down. There's something wrong with them, you know. Uh, I don't think we had that many crashes. When... That's, that's the sheer number of them. At any given point in time, there's like 11,000 planes in the air. Yeah, I guess that would make it more now, huh? The statistics of crashes. What happened? I'm crash? No, I'm still no. here. We're still here. We're huh? still rolling. <laughs> I heard something crash or like. Shh, shh. Did y'all hear it? Wasn't either one of you or me. No, I thought I heard a weird voice earlier though. That's um, interesting. Come on, it. It sounded like um, it'll be interesting. I mean, well, it was sounded like a computer voice kind of a thing. Oh, well, we'll see if it's on recording, right? Yeah. This recording. It was like towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see what's going on. Well, we've really covered a lot. I don't know that we were supposed to. Let's see what else is on your discovery little bio that was allowed here. We've got the biodynamic farmer. That would, would be with the veterans and with a mad talking about him going to the VA and being on a Navy ship and going around before he settled down and became uh, the shaman hermit that he is. <laughs> Doing radio because now he does uh, e-books and he does uh, audio books on uh, radio as well as uh, doing the recreation of some reality on some planet with me and uh, Ken Johnston. Oh, I've, I've got to say something real quick, uh, Bridget. Ken R. Johnston, uh, I talked with him today. Him and his wife do little baby ponies and little tiny ponies. There's one in a commercial for somebody doing it. And they're over in Oklahoma, and she's the president of the little tiny pony International or National Club, I guess, National. But she brought uh, her husband, and they're down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
So uh, yeah, we'll be back next Thursday, folks. He said 6 Thursday. He's going to come back from Oklahoma and be back with us next week. So if you've been missing Ken R. Johnston and our ACO Club, please come back next week. And again, I want to apologize for last night because I wasn't even on the planet. I have my body was here, but my spirit was somewhere else. Maybe we should discuss that because I don't understand that. I've only had it happen a few times where the lights are on but nobody's home and I'm not I've had myself checked with all the little buttons and the electrodes they put on your head and several times because I just didn't believe that this you know I thought surely my brain doesn't work properly. <laughs> like Bridget, a first wave, right? But um I always had good experiences. And I always felt like I was in control, but only in the last 20 years or so, Bridget. Now, I remember having missing time when I was younger, but it wasn't in military. It was because of the missing time and working with extraterrestrials that I went into the government. So I have a return. I mean, they were scratching their head. I scored really high on the on the uh, test in Houston after coming back from Africa and Europe as I was traveling around. Uh, for uh, Newton B. Schwartz, attorney at law. So I was an uh, investigator and uh, traveling around on on different cases. But uh, I wanted to go in, and they actively recruited me. And it was really strange because I took the treasury test, and I finally got approved. Finally, right before I got out of driving a big truck, got finally approved and all that for the U.S. Treasury. But I had some good jobs on this planet in this reality. I've had a lot of good jobs. It doesn't make sense to me now because it's hard to believe that was me. Bridget, how do you explain all this? Do you know how people can change and just be it? you got to be it and do it in order to have it. You know what I'm saying? And I know a lot of veterans need to understand how to get into new realities. But let's talk about that for a minute. We've got 30 minutes, folks. Jeez. Bridget, help me out here. Well, you know, I think that what happens is a lot of people that I see in my practice, I see something that a lot of people do, which is what I call the checkout. And the the issue is that the reality is, like, so really stressful now. And people have Uh been through, like, really stressful long periods. And people don't get enough rest, don't get enough nutrition. So, they go, they bleep out. Sometimes wow. I'll be working with people good. on the video, and they'll just glaze over and bleep out. Um, and I look at wow. you as see a, Yeah, and um, I see them all the time. I'll see them in the grocery store. People just blip out, be staring at something. Um, you know, just uh, I see people everywhere, and I see more people bleeping out than I, I, I ever have been. And so I've, I've kind of for a while kind of been looking at them like, well, maybe your androids or something like that. And your programming's bad. I know that sounds kind of far fetched, but sometimes you've got to ask yourself, you know, lots of different questions, but more and more, I just realized like it's the heavy amount of stress that's being deployed um, onto people and their brain and their body, not having the ability to manage the mental, emotional, physical, you know, um, chaos and they kind of blip out for a while and then they, they'll come back on. And my, um, a friend of mine, um, Ralph ring, 
he he's a really interesting guy. Him and Marsha. Why do um, I know that name? I know that name, Ralph, Ralph Ring. Why do I know uh, Ralph, Ralph Ring? I, I I've Ralph interviewed him. Was, yeah, Ralph was Carr's apprentice, and Carr was Nikola Tesla's apprentice. So, but I, I've known them for a while. But one of the things like he talks about is that you know, like even just in our language, like you know. Um, he talks about depression just being decompressing. You know, we just have to change our language around it. And that, you know, people have different ways of decompressing. And, and I think people blip out because they don't really have, you know, good ways to decompress. And I think they just kind of shut down like a machine for a few minutes that's overheated. Like the brain is overheated and it just has to take a few minutes for it to kind of come back online. But, you know, they spray these chemtrails, these vaccines. I mean, the stuff that's in the food is really, really frightening, becoming more and more frightening. Um, the stress, how many hours people work for nothing. I mean, even like here, like rent, uh, you know, for like a one bedroom that's not that great, you know, is $1,000 a month. And so you have all these people that are like surviving and just all the everything around them is not good. And I think it's taking its toll on the bio suit. And so the brain, well, which is the hard drive, the computer just kind of shorts look. out. Needs to rest. You know, yeah. wasn't it yesterday? Because a man asked me, he came on last night, because I said, if you know how to do a show with a mad, I even thought maybe you'd show up early last night, because I knew I, I was looking forward to it all day. But I did go look at a house yesterday that I wanted from the past. It's a small house, three-bedroom, two-bath. Uh, I've got carpet here, and they don't have carpet in it, but I liked it. And a big old tree talked to me. I'm a tree talker. I don't know what that means. Something to do with my uh, training off playing it with uh, Sasquatch Yeti people, right, because they would uh, <laughs> come in and out of the, this dimension through trees. I shouldn't tell people this. I wonder if that comes a lot, Ahmed and Bridget, from, uh, you know how the little people we're talking about over in Ireland, but some part of shamanism has it where you go to trees to go to another dimension. I don't know because uh, I'm such an old soul and know so much of the old uh, folklore. But I know what you know, guys know what I'm talking about, right? But it's like ontology and epistemology. But I checked out yesterday, Bridget. You're right, because the you know uh, folks important of these elements we're talking about in philosophy is we're friends, and I, I've never met a man, I've never met Bridget, but I feel like a kindred spirit. So I'm trying to clear that distinction up. There's an overlap between epistemology about the way we see things and know things, with ontology being what things are. Okay, so I, I use epistemology and and, and uh, ontology in my research in philosophy, and we also use business research. So I was wanting to get there with Bridget because of uh, me forming this uh, psychic university, things to think about, you know. But she's brought up Ralph Ring and Otis Carr, and uh, that's very important names in this reality on board with uh, – what we're doing here with this dimension. So uh, how how do you bring this together, Bridget? Help me out with, you know, uh, they're big on this, this Ralph Ring and uh, what's Otis Carr, is it? What's, what did you say his first name was? 
Carr? I don't know what Carr's first name is because I've talked to Ralph about it, but I, you know, it's spelled C-A-R-R, I know, on the last part of the name, but I'm not sure exactly what the first part is. But, um, did I say yeah. Otis? Do I know it? You did say Otis, <laughs> but I think Otis Carr <laughs> built, Otis Carr, what he built the first um, diesel engine, didn't he, that ran on peanut oil? I don't know if, if they're the same and they're affiliated. I don't know. I don't know about that. But I just know that Ralph has said to me that, you know, Carr, whoever the first name of it is, I don't know, was Nikola Tesla's apprentice and that he worked for Carr. And so he had a relationship to Carr and Tesla that way. And um, so I'm not really oh, sure. Oh, you've interviewed him. Back well, yeah, and I, when You've they were in Paradise, I, was at their, I went to see them in Paradise when they lived up in Paradise, California, before the fire. Um, yeah, oh. so, yeah, now I think they're in Did Arizona. Did Ralph Ring live with this car human person? No, he, car person. he lives with um, Marsha, who is this Chiquita Banana. <laughs> His I girl. Who is that person? Yeah, the Chiquita yeah. Banana Marsha. Yeah, I call her the Chiquita, yeah. Chiquita Banana. But she, no, um, but I've heard this amazing. before. Yeah, Marsha Brown is his girlfriend. Yeah, and she's starting to wonder if I'm a traveler myself. She's amazing, too. She's like an unbelievable George manifestor. Van Tassel. George Van Tassel did something with them, right? George I don't Van know. Tassel. I, I didn't know, so did I, I didn't inter- know a lot of yeah, I didn't know Ralph, like, before his history or anything like that, before I met him through a friend. So it was basically meant to him, like, more in a personal um, kind of, a um, you know, casual experience. Because a good friend of mine lived in um, Paradise, so they, she knew them. She knew Marsha really well. So I met them kind of, like, on a personal level before I really knew anything about Ralph. So I only know, like, what he, how whatever vocabulary he uses to talk about, you know, his past. And I have had him and Marsha on my show together because they're so, they're so super cute together. <laughs> so I have them on the show together and they talk about manifesting and uh, Victor Schallenberger's work. And last time I had Ralph on my show, I don't know, Ralph and Marsha like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, Ralph was really doing good on target his mind was really working. So he had um he had some serious heart problems for a long time and by the time that, you know, he had it really looked at, he only had I think like forty percent of his heart was living and working. And uh so he'd had some oxygen depletion issues, you know, kind of thing. So, um they tried to do everything that they could to actually fix his heart stem cells, all kinds of different alternative stuff, and it just didn't really work out. So he um, had to go in and have, like, you know, a heart operation, bypass, I think, something. And um, right uh, only, like, 30 days into him healing, you know, the Paradise Fire happened, and they had flames everywhere. If their neighbor hadn't pounded on their door, they would have died in their house. Ralph and And so they had to flee, huh? Ralph and Marsha would have died. Yeah, and they're like mid-80s, I think. 
And um, so then um, their neighbor tried to, you know, go through the firewall that they had to go through. He tells this story a couple shows back, but um, he uh, he said that they had an electric car, a Prius. So if they would have had a gas car, they could they wouldn't have survived either. But um, so their neighbors were in the car and they had a gas car and they went to go because the pavement was super hot. There was fire everywhere around, and um, the neighbor tried to get out of the parking lot and. And so they had to go through the wall of flames and because they had gas in the car and the car was already hot from just sitting, you know, because of the same, everything's melting. Um, the gas, the car exploded. So the people drove through the wall of fire. And when they hit the fire, the car totally exploded and like threw open the doors and the people got shot out. And so he didn't, Whoa. they had an electric Prius car. Yeah. I have a lot of these, I have friends. I had a lot of really conscious friends in paradise. It was kind of a really weird deal that all of them, you know, this happened to a bunch of them. Um, but wow, so they had it's a like it was set off somewhere. Is that a conspiracy theory that it was set off by some energy in the field or something? Well, right. Or am I starting one? <laughs> I don't mean to, folks. I've just got that hit psychically. <laughs> Ralph believes that they would have targeted that area anyway, but the specific day and time that they targeted that area had a lot to do with him um, because uh, he had, you know, taken a whole bunch of stuff that he had from Tesla and car, all these documents and all kinds of stuff, and he had packaged it up to send it to a new museum, a Tesla museum that's opening up. And he had it all boxed. The courier was coming the next morning to get it. Uh, but because of the fire, they forgot about it, and they didn't grab it, and it got burned up in the fire. And um, wow. the courier could ever come. Yeah, so they – Real men in black kind of thing, huh? Yeah, and he said before, you know, before he was sending it off and stuff, he was getting phone calls and – them, you know, saying to him on the phone that, you know, if he keeps doing what he's doing, they're going to kill him and come after him and, you know, all this stuff. But I was the only person that got him well, on the show. The first, time I tried to get, first time I tried to get him on the show, my God, I couldn't even get him on the show. They only had like 40 minutes. We, we struggled for two hours trying to get them on. Every avenue that I used to try to get them on, it was cut off. I mean, even to the point where I was trying to call Ralph's phone number and it wasn't even ringing but I could show him on my tablet that I was the phone was ringing and they wow. they were not even getting it yeah so they haven't um then they came on my show again and talked about it because they wanted people to know that they were okay because nobody knew what had happened to them they doesn't were like they do uh Ralph Ring doesn't um, he do uh what is that guy that does an event out there doesn't he do the Nevada thing it's uh one of the other well, girls. They were, Lynn, uh, they were getting around. Fenton. Right, but the Lauren Fenton is, does Starworks or something, or is that, yeah, they, they or is that Paula? They did all kinds of stuff. They did all kinds of different stuff until his heart got bad, bad. And then that was, I don't know what year it was, a few years ago. And then it was just Starworks a, between 2012 and 2018, right? Somewhere yeah, with they Paula. A, they actually, they have a website Paris. where they have a lot of all. Stuff that they could post on it from all the events that they've been at, 
But um, now they're living in Arizona. They, uh, it was crazy what happened to them. I'm so shocked that they survived, actually. I mean, you know, they came on my show and talked about the whole story and kind of where they're at now, but they're super happy where they're at. They're living in, like, a some town in Arizona that is a really conscious community, and it's becoming a cashless society, and, and they really like being there, and they have these great spiritual meetings every week, and they're reading all kinds of things they've never read before, and they really like feel that if paradise hadn't happened, even though they left everything, like they didn't have phones, all they could do was they were in their pajamas, grab their dog. They didn't have their wallet. They didn't have a purse. They didn't have wow. They had to peel out. What of a there. different only- reality. Yeah. Well, it, that reminds me of your story you mentioned about Eckhart Tolle. Let me get down to the bottom. To your last reality check is before you lose your mind, you know. So Ralph Ring has a whole new in Marsha. This is amazing, and you can come on our show here. And I'd like to invite you back. We've still got eleven minutes, but I'd like to invite you back to share some more of Cosmos Consciousness Consultants. I think we're building something here with a man because he brought us together, and I don't know what he had planned. <laughs> Ahmed, is this supposed to be part of our Allied Command? I don't know, you know. I I don't know oh, cool. what this is. Me either. This is, Do you have you any know, clue, Bridget? Reality. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it is people just talking. You know, like people talking consciously about things and people, and that's the way I look at it. Just communicating. Okay. This well, is this how people are. One thing I really like about radio is that um, where I used to be really confronted about it when I first started, I I felt kind of, you know, like insecure, like I didn't know what language I was supposed to be speaking, you know. Um, And especially when I would get really different people that had different words that they used in their vocabulary to describe things. It used to kind of – but now I really like it because I think that we're kind of in a where – we have to build a new vocabulary about things um, that we didn't have before because of the limitation, you know, especially on the English language. But we have to start, you know, creating a whole new vocabulary about transitioning, you know, like into the future and putting a language together that, you know, I think everybody can um, work with, you know, to describe events or ideas or thoughts or um, patterns or, you know, um, things that we deal with in the outside world so that we can actually start to elevate those things. Because I think you have to have a, you know, I mean, anything that you want to deal with, with like the Fibonacci sequence or, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of math, you know, every time you double something, it's like the energy gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So I think, you know, more people kind of building a common language um, systems actually helps to kind of pull everybody in. And then that energy, you know, keeps getting amplified and amplified. So we're actually elevating ourselves in the new ideas and thoughts and, you know, um, to, and giving it energy and power so that it can kind of help to, you know, overcompensate for a lot of the um, more difficult energies or forces. 
Yeah, you were talking about good and bad earlier, axiology, you know, good and bad, moral and morals kind of stuff. But that's all part of this new metaphysics or ontology, epistemology, you know, being concerned with being and then we're humans, but we're also star beings and spirit beings or something that comes and uses a body until it decays and it goes back to Mother Nature. So we build models to make sense of ourselves and our world and uh, man brings me people uh we didn't know we were going to do this folks i don't even uh it's odd last week i did i've missed two shows i checked out mentally i guess uh i was in uh, what did you call that uh, maybe it just uh over too much tmi too much too much stress yeah it's stress and I have been under a lot of people dying around me and, uh, you know, everybody's got money issues and I don't have billions to give them. And I'm coming back to work to help people as a helper. And this radio is important. So kind of thinking that uh, I'm mad. I, I'm, I'm starting to believe in radio finally. I never did before. <laughs> I'm starting to think it's, it's I'm a, becoming I'm a believer. If, if nothing else, it's good therapy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, who are we going to do next week? But uh, I'd like to exchange with you. I'm sure you'll be on Janet's show. Janet always looks to see who I've on. But have you been on Janet Carol Essen's show yet? She'll have you on, Bridget. <laughs> have you been on Janet's no, show? No, I haven't. Mm-mm. No, I, um, I haven't really been on a a lot of people's show on Revolution Radio, but um, I have done a lot of other people's show kind of outside of it. Um, but yeah, so, but I think, you know, because I have, I think I've cut down on um, doing shows um, a lot other than Revolution Radio because I'm on there two days a week now. So oh, well, let's, kinda... let's mention that. We've only got about six minutes. What uh, is the name of your show, and what time is it? Tuesday, Thursday, or uh, whatever. On Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. And you can also listen to it on the TuneIn app, either on the website or the TuneIn app. Um, and I'm in Studio A. Um, I'm on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time to uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then I'm also Studio A Saturday. And I am um, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. And my show is called um, Carrying Stones and Digging Holes Radio Show. So um, I Carrying like to get a lot of different stones. stones. Yeah, and digging, digging holes. And digging holes, yeah. Yeah, so, huh. um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, a take on kind of chop wood and carry water. It's just about the spiritual ah. principles. And so a lot of the people that I have on the show are people who are past kind of like talking about building things and, and are already doing things, you know, already like hitting the ground running and, and have all this really great grassroots stuff. Like I, I have a guy on this weekend. I don't know him very well, but he, he has like a background in Maharishi and Iowa and some of a lot of that stuff um, in his past. I think he's probably like my age, but he, um, has a company so I'm interviewing him and they help people to do um, real common law debt elimination they actually help you to do this stuff 
and I mean they do charge, but they some of it's not you know super extreme price. And then they help people to do these natural law trusts, which helps them to kind of extract them their stuff out of the system a little bit. So it'll be interesting to have him on my show. He's going to be new. But I like them because they actually, a lot of people that are involved in common law do all their own stuff. And there isn't anybody really out there to help people who um, don't have that choice, you know, that don't have somebody that they can personally study with and figure things out. Um, And so I really, I'm kind of excited to have him on my show to talk to people and give them um, some help with getting rid of their debt elimination and um, and then also with the natural and he, they do a whole bunch of different stuff kind of like a, a natural law firm kind of a thing I guess that they have so he's going to be on my show on Saturday so. is he an attorney in a, in a certain state no he just no 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 common law doesn't really require attorney that's um the original. Well, he doesn't have to be an American. He doesn't have to be an American Bar Association person. No, mm-mm. no, common law oh, doesn't okay. have uh, attorneys and lawyers. Those are bar. Um, those are the bar association. Those are fictitious people who've been installed by the Queen to manage us legally. <laughs> oh, um, Brett Luter would like you. He goes with Harold to uh, those kind of classes. But now I see sometimes about the constitutionalists, but they're really, I don't know that we should discuss that, but various people and groups uh, combined, but are they really learning what they should to get along in this world as we change? So, you know, I'm going to be open, folks, to all of this and, uh, you know, how we're getting along with each other. I've learned I don't a think lot we're in a place that money. we can't. We have to be mm-hmm. wide open at this point in time because I think that anything that closes us down um, is going to be detrimental because there's going to be so many things that are going to be happening. You know, it's going to be an obstacle course, and we're going to have to be pretty awake and aware to, like, you know, like a football player navigate through it as it starts happening. Um, well, what's you know. happening is we've gone global. You know, all the big companies back when I was driving a truck coast to coast, UPS, Federal Express, the railroads and the and the uh, truckers here, we, we saw this coming. And, of course, you know, in and out of countries with the containers sitting on the docks is, uh, you know, most of the world, we want to go to the store and be able to get what we want when we want it, if we can afford it. But what's happened is the value system is the fact that not every part of the world can afford the things we want. So we're we're looking at a complex idea and pattern of behavior, elaborating that the uh, wars were started with the Rothschilds and how they learned back with Napoleon how to <laughs> how to change twenty percent into a hundred percent with lack of 80% in the banking systems and uh it, it's it's a number game you know we and then things that we find value which you know one time they had these sticks and wood was a value when they would count money so to speak paper it was based on a gold standard and now of course that was thanks to the Anunnaki <laughs> that needed it for their world and their reality and their planet and 
than the slaves that they brought the Gigi and you know, nobody wants to work in the caves when you don't have to. It's hot underground. So it's a whole history. And, you know, I believe that this group, that I'm doing my best to form a community with a mad painter. And Bridget, you're the, let's see, are you the first one? No, he invited one guy from Canada. And Matt, who else did you invite? You're, he doesn't invite very many people, Bridget, so you're really special. I don't remember. I don't, I don't let's see, the one guy from Canada. You're talking about Brian Rue. Yeah, you invited him, and then Bridget. I don't know anybody else. And since we've done the uh, your magazine, Allied Command, folks, we're putting this together and see how it's going to work. Because Amanda and I are American Communications Online. We're out of time. So uh, Bridget Lynn Dolgoff has been our friend. I hope you'll stay in our group. We have the ACO Club and uh, ACO Cosmos Conscious Consultants, CCCC. I just see that. Isn't that interesting, Ahmed? ACO Cosmos Conscious Consultants Club, <laughs> which Bridget has started with Ahmed and I somehow. I'm not sure how this is going to work. We'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, Bridget, I want to have you back to discuss your multidimensional layers now, we're off the air as far as the computer's concerned, but real quickly before they turn me off, and I don't know when that's going to happen, folks, but because uh, Vodcast has bought Blog Talk Radio and it's all computer generated algorithms. But uh, what day did you want to have that? Was it October something for us to get together again? So if I'm going to be on your show, you invited me to be yeah. with you and. Mm-hmm. Lady horse. So I'll pull everybody up on Skype. Um, I think it's October. I think it's Wednesday, October second. Um, and I, I've got to put a thing on Revolution Radio again. Um, and oh, here it is. Yeah, it's going to be Wednesday, October second. And so far, um, I have uh, four other women than myself. But I'll put it on RR again, and and then we'll see who shows up at the last. But mostly, it's just for women to kind of talk about, you know, how they're coping with what's going on and how they feel. And, um, you know, it's just going to be a dialogue. And I'm sure everybody will kind of have a different kind of point of view. Um, And that's kind of like why I'm doing it, you know, is so that we can all talk about our different point of view to listeners. So, Point of view. All right, well. So we just got to, you know. I'd like to have you back. So let me know when you can come back. Uh, I don't know what. I'd like you to meet Ken. I think you'd enjoy Ken. But uh, Ken's all about the UFO business. So we have UFO Association. And then Ahmed and I are all about, well, we were, I guess we were going to be about the Allied Command Organization. But I've started UFO Secret Space and Alien Contact Org and UFO this or that. But the UFO Association, and then we have Jan Aldrich on. Thursdays, he likes to come in, and he's really a archivist, ufologist. Do you ever have a ufologist on your show? Anything to do with UFOs, Bridget, on your um, show? Yeah, I have. I had, I had, um, 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 what was the guy's name? Um, he is, uh, he runs the Edgar Mitchell Society. Um, Ray Hernandez, he was pretty interesting. Yeah. I've had Randy, um, um, Robert Stanley on uh, his da- his dad was like big into UFO stuff, and he had Eunice 
Unicast magazine or something like UFO. He doesn't do it anymore. He's kind of tired. So he um, just has an online website where he puts a lot of free information for people. And he doesn't really do radio or anything anymore, that much anymore. So, um, but yeah, I've had like a couple people on. And um, I have a friend of mine who um, it has had, um, he had a life-changing experience with a Squatch. Um, in British Columbia, and then he got, because the Native people really embrace, you know, other beings and, like, Sasquatch, he ended up getting into more of the Native community, and so now he has, you know, Native teachers who, um, you know, help him and teach him a lot about the Squatch and, you know, Native stuff, so he's really into that. So I've had him on talking about the Sasquatch before. So, I mean, that's about it. I mean, the thing is that I found out that, I mean, I've contacted a lot of different UFO people, and I don't get contact back. And I, um, without a doubt, have serious issues with uh, what's-her-face. Um, oh, God, I hate her. No. <laughs> um, if she's from you Australia, Mary, Mary Rodwell. No, Mary Rodwell. Mary Rodwell. And she she does a lot of, like, the Star Kid stuff. But I, I didn't have a very favorable interaction with her originally um, when I reached out to them. And I, I didn't really like her responses and what she was responding. And it made me feel that she is probably more harmful to Star Kids. Oh, goodness. Really? Um, wow, she's really out there and well-known. Very well I know, known but you know, that's the thing that, mm-hmm. yeah, I've learned that some of these people are not good, you know, and some of oh. them, I just, um, I'm just really careful because, you know, of my experiences and, you know, my, I, you know, it's not like my star family's ever asked me not to say anything or don't talk to them. I mean, none of that ever, ever even comes up or you can't say this or you can't say that. Nothing like that ever comes up, but I have learned, like, things like NASA and, you know, just a lot of this stuff around the universe and extraterrestrials and all this other stuff is has to be very questioned. Um, because I also learned that from, you know, working with Native people on heightened, you know, energy levels is that people like to talk to beings and sometimes channel them, and these beings are not good beings. These beings are the oldest beings that have lived here, you know, which are more reptilian. And so they tell people things that are absolutely positively not true. And then they, you know, a lot of them don't have bodies. A lot of them don't have biosuits, so they mess with people from, you know, um, a non-physical way. So we see them as shadow people or um, demons, and, and they will try to inhabit people's bodies too. But they're just reptilians without, you know, biosuits. And well, you know, a lot of those giants are still around without a physical body. They they stayed here on the planet. If you read the Book of Enoch or listen to yeah, it on YouTube. They're all dead Book all over the planet, too. Like, if you follow any of this mud fossil stuff, like Roger Spur Mud Fossil University, he'll show you that all mountain ranges are giant meat that's been left over. Yeah, no, um, he's a little trouble to me. Huh? He's a little questionable to me. Now, I agree with a lot of what he says, but a lot of what he says is just plain BS. 
And I imagine we'll call a spade a spade. He has DNA proof, yeah. and also there. Oh yeah, a lot of, of it. A lot of it. A lot of it's right yeah. on now. I agree with quite a bit of what he says, but he does go now, out who there on the. We're talking about. Yeah, I know who she's who talking, talking about. about. Who is it? Yeah, what's his name? I like him because he's like you know more factual. At least he's like really thought about things, and he actually has evidence. You know, I try to steer away from the people who don't really have a lot of, you know, like solid foundation. Just because I've learned, like, I just don't want to be mind controlled by things. I mean, that's just my opinion. So I'm like really cautious. I go more towards the people that, at least, I feel like have Ryan, some kind of data. At least I think it's Ryan Gable does a great, about, does a great series about uh, the mud fossils. Yeah, I guess Ryan. Well, I never got the last guy, Andrew Collins, or or who are y'all talking about? What the the gentleman? There's a whole movement on YouTube of different people that are going back to, you know, what they call the Tartarian period, which was, um, you know, had a lot of different heighted beings on it. You know, a lot of these these giants. I mean, Roger Spur said that he has a finger, a finger sample that they took the DNA from, you know, when he had it um, DNA tested, that would go to a, you know, estimated range of height from this one finger would be 200 feet. A person that was, and they, well, we don't know what they're made. He, he there's a, a mummified dragon embryo in Africa that would be, you know, like five countries big. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that <laughs> I mean, Native that's just, people will tell you that you know, even the Native people will tell you, like, things that, you know, um, a yeah, lot of something that big, you could, people, it, it wouldn't even be able to eat any. I mean, every, one meal in the whole world is gone. I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I know. But there are, I've seen some things in native folklore about how big things were originally, um, you know, how how big, really big things were at one point in time. But oh, I yeah, think the I biggest shock. Yeah, I giants, you know. <laughs> I agree that definitely giants. I, I mean, I, personally, well, I, I come from, then, I, my great-grandfather was over seven foot tall. Wow, yeah. really? And look, oh my gosh, Richard DeWurst and is I, the ancient giant in world America. I had to have, I had to have sixteen teeth removed from my mouth because I had too many teeth. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, I mean, this, this kind of stuff yeah. does does exist, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think another thing too that a lot of this stuff brings to fruition is that, you know. Our scientists and our religions and stuff want to say that you know Noah's flood, which was a world war, which was a worldwide flood, which I'm not so sure about that anymore. From the evidence that's coming out, I think that there were individual places that went through massive floods and maybe wiped off the people that were there, and then you know it would regenerate. I'm not sure about a whole worldwide flood, but I know that. Um, you know, something happened, and a lot of the Tartarian mud flood people are saying, like, a lot of this stuff happened sooner. 
you know, like the last mud flood event, which would have been like water, you know, and then and then it would have turned into deep mud for a long period of time, um, you know, may have happened within the last 200 years in some places. This is very interesting. But, you know, I like it because I like to, like, you know, I'm not so sure. I mean, I know for sure, like, NASA should not be, they should not, anybody should listen to not a one fucking thing that those people say. Because it is, they fix Is somebody working in the kitchen? Is that you and Matt working in the kitchen or is that you? (laughs) It was me, I'm sorry. We know that there has to be alternative (laughs) information. But the stuff you can find out, I mean, all kinds of different theories and stuff people have. I love it. I just love it. I mean, you know, whether it's well, real or not. Well, come back and play with a mad night. Was it a mad or, or was it Ken? One of you two. I call it playing because anything that I get to do that, I don't know, is outside of just me. I'm a hermit, Bridget. I stay. I have a real sensitive body being a psychic, which I don't like the name. We're trying to use intuitive consultants these days. <laughs> basically we're just sensitive empathic kind of people but a lot of our friends because they're mediums say they talk to dead people or those voices I guess once you lose your mind I don't know but anyways I don't hear voices so that's good I guess but uh, I'd like to have you come back and uh, I'm putting together the psychic university so whatever you want to teach you know I don't know what it's going to be yet it just came into fruition as you I like that word fruition. I'm going to use it a lot now because I heard you say it. And I've hadn't said it in years, but let's let's fruition something. <laughs> let's fruition something. <laughs> what are you guys? We call us. We call ourselves the fruitionists. <laughs> That's right. We're fruition. That's what we are. We are fruitionists. Yeah, fruition meaning. What, what does that mean anyway? Point of. Most, I don't know. Call insane. Called insane. Yeah, people be going, Did y'all hear those crazy people? Well, we're we're gonna make things happen, folks. We're fruitionists. We're, we're the yeah. fruitionist society. Translate yeah, hold on, that. I'm looking it up. Let's see here. Let's see if I can look it up here. Let's see. That's probably something like make fruit up or something. Let's see if there's oh wait. Yeah, I'm not sure I... Project. I don't know what that means, but you said we were fruitionist. Well, you come from California, land of fruits and nuts. <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah. Where did we get that? Fruits and nuts. The fruitionist. But we're, now we're, we're on the other side of the up. island. You're over there, but you're not in California. You're in Reno area, right? Somewhere around Nevada. Wait, yeah. Reno. Yeah, Reno. yeah, I'm in Reno. Are you close? How far to Chico are you? Because that's where Brent Luter is. Mm, Brent's going to be I think like far. a while. I think it takes like it for me to get to Paradise was an hour and a half. I think it's oh, like we didn't two. mention Rick Miller. Dr. Rick, we forgot Dr. Rick tonight. He's one of our club people. Dr. Yeah. Rick, you know him? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh, I do. Yeah. I do. But All anyway, right. i got to go, guys, because I have to go to the bathroom really bad. 
Okay, well, thank you so much, and we'll have yeah. you back, and we'll talk. We'll talk again. Thank you, Ahmed. Thank yeah, you, Bridget. Let's do... come back on it. All it right. Super fun. Y'all have a good evening. Yeah. Enjoyed it. All right. We enjoyed you as a fruitionist. All right, everybody. Okay. Thank I'll you. Send you a we'll come back. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ahmed. <laughs> 